All right, First Peter, chapter one. First Peter, chapter one. I've been thinking this week a lot about this section in in 1 Peter. And I've been thinking about, of course, I've been been dealing a lot with mom and and, uh, and everything that the doctors told us and, and her time in the hospital this past week. And as we went up yesterday and was sitting there and... Um, she was telling us that that she was buying a lift chair because she's unable to to get up and walk around uh, much anymore. And um, the the chair has uh, heat, it has vibration, it has all the the bells and whistles. And um, she was telling us that that it was going to be about eight hundred dollars to buy this chair. And um, I got to thinking about um, <clears throat> in life when we start uh, getting towards what seems to be the end of our days, how our priorities change and how we get different ideas. We was talking this morning in Sunday school class, and, and Frank made a comment, and it was, just, it was kind of an aha thing when he said it, but he, he said the older you get, the smaller your world gets. And... And I, it was just like, yes, that's it. The important things become more important. Uh, the things, all the things that you think are important when you're younger don't seem to be so important anymore. And, and right now, mom's at the stage in her life that, um, because I, I thought, you know, there was a time in their life, there's no way they'd ever spent that kind of money on any type of furniture and and now the important thing for her is to try to make herself as comfortable, and for all of us, is to make mom as comfortable as possible. And um, and so uh, today, as we begin to look at this, and once again, Peter is, is going to uh, talk to us about suffering and about dealing with suffering in, in a Christian life and how uh, we do that. And he kind of builds up to this process. First uh, Peter chapter 4 is where we're going to be at. Now, verse 4 tags on to verse 3, which says that, that Christians have a living hope. Our hope is not in a dead God or a, a, an unreal God or a pretense God. Our hope as Christians is in a living hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, which is living. Um. Uh, verse, first Peter chapter one verse four says, "To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you." So as it tags onto this, it says that because we have this living hope in Jesus Christ, this is the thing that separates Jesus from all other deities. All other gods, little g. 
This is the thing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, him living today at the right hand of the Father, that's what separates him from all other gods. And because he was resurrected, we have this hope that one day we too shall be resurrected. One day we too will step into eternity, into an eternal life uh, that has been promised to us. All other religions serve either a dead individual or they serve a made-up deity. We have a living hope. Um, his resurrection guarantees his followers an inheritance. That's what we just looked at, right? That's what we just read. An inheritance. It guarantees an inheritance. Um, and there's a few thoughts that Peter wants us to kind of think about when we're going through times of suffering, when we're going through times of trouble, when we're dealing with life, there are some things that Peter is going to point out, some things that will help us to get through those times. Those things that we cling to, that thing that I'm clinging to now as I deal with, with everything that's going on with my mom. It's those things that, that we look at, those things that we think about while we're going through that. Now, the first, according to verse 3 that we looked at last week, the first thing we do is that we praise God for our salvation. You know, I've mentioned before that I've talked to people, and the question isn't, will you go through suffering in this life? We're all a part of this world, and we all go through suffering, whether you follow Jesus Christ or not. We all do that. Every single person who lives a long, healthy life will do as I'm doing right now and deal with the death of a parent or dealing with an ailing parent, or deal with an aging parent. Every single one of us go through. I am not special. There's nothing special about what's going on in my life. Every one of us will go through that. And many of you have already gone through that. You dealt with that. You dealt with the loss of your mother. And so this doesn't make me special. But we all go through this. And the question is this. Do you want to go through these struggles in life, these troubles in life, um, alone? Or do you want to have Jesus Christ in your life to bring that comfort, to bring that peace, and to bring that hope that comes along with that when we go through these troubles. So in that, we thank God that he sent his son. We thank God that he was rose again on the third day. And we thank God that we can take that as a promise. We can take that blood and apply it to our lives. And we have all of the promises of God. And he helps us get through those times. He gives us peace through those times. And so we praise God for that, according to verse 3. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18 says this. It says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul says in Romans, he says, listen, whether you realize it or not, no matter how bad it gets here, even the worst of the worst, no matter how horrific it seems in this life, it can't even compare to what we have to look forward to when we get over there. And we can't understand that right now. And our little pea brains can't even imagine what it's going to be like. But he says that it will not even be worthy to compare to the glory that will be revealed to us in that time. And then it says that we should focus on the 
promised inheritance that we have. First off, when we're going through those times of suffering, we praise God and we worship God and we thank God for our salvation. The second thing that we need to do is to focus on our promised eternal inheritance, that inheritance that we receive. Uh, An inheritance is wealth passed on. And so here Peter is talking about this inheritance that, that will be passed on to us. In this great, it's a great wealth that is indescribable. It's a great wealth that is being passed down to us. As I said earlier, something we can't comprehend with these little finite minds of ours. And you see, no earthly inheritance has a 100% guarantee. I read the story of a man who was to inherit a beautiful southern home in Louisiana. Had this beautiful home that he was going to inherit at the the passing of the gentleman that owned the home. And um, the day that the gentleman passed away, the house caught on fire and burnt to the ground. And guess what? They had no insurance on it. And so everything he hoped for, all the inheritance that he had planned on and was looking forward to went up in smoke and was gone. Just like that. So no earthly inheritance. I mean, we think about it and we look at inheritance and wouldn't it be great to receive a a large inheritance, something to keep us going for the remainder of our lives? But how many people who put their hope in an earthly inheritance only to find out that it was ate up by owed debt or back taxes. I've heard many a story of people who was looking forward to just such inheritance only to find out that it was not there. It was a false hope. But Peter tells us that this hope that we focus on is incorruptible which means it is not liable to death, nor can it be destroyed. It will not rust. It will not deteriorate. It is incorruptible. Some of the things that we inherit upon this earth can can rot away. It can rust away. It can fall apart. It can break down, or it can burn up in a fire. First thing Peter says is that this inheritance that we have is not or it is incorruptible. The second thing he says is that it is undefiled, which means it is unstained, it is unpolluted, it is not flawed. Our inheritance is flawless and it is perfect. And then it says it fadeth not away. Now the idea here is of a beautiful flower that never withers or dies. I heard a man call his father one day, and he said this. He says, hey, Dad, what are you up to? To which the father replied, well, your mother and I are out spending your inheritance. (laughs) Yes. You know, for most of us, every day that our parents live um, gives us little hope of any inheritance as it is dwindling away. Every vacation, every new car, every new toil, every new toy, 
Our inheritance is going away. Hey, I have a goal. I've told my kids, my goal is the day I file for bankruptcy is the day I die. That's my goal. <laughs> so this earthly inheritance is not one that we can trust. But Peter tells us that the inheritance that we are looking forward to will not dwindle away. It will not fade away. It will not be, uh, 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 it will not rust. It'll, it, it, will, it is perfect in every way. We have an inheritance in heaven that will never fade away. You see, our inheritance in Christ is incorruptible, undefiled. It will not dwindle away, and it cannot be stolen. It says that it is reserved in heaven. Now, this word means guarded. It means watched over. Our inheritance is being watched over. It is being guided by the creator of the universe. Think about that. Hey, I've watched too many action movies to know and to realize how easily that guards can be overtaken. I mean, with just the snap of a neck, they're done. And all of everything you was hoping for to be guarded is gone. But we have a creator. We have one that keeps that safe for us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21 says, Don't store up treasures on earth where moth can eat it, rust will destroy it, and where thieves can break in and steal it. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. Our hope and our treasures are stored up in heaven. That's the point that Peter is making to us, is that our inheritance, when we're going through those times of suffering, if we will just remember that we have a great inheritance on the other side, a great inheritance. Look at verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time who are kept by the power of God. Listen to me. Without God's help, you, my friend, cannot live a Christian life. You can't do it. It's hard enough with God's help. Without God's help, I promise you, I can't give you a list. I can't give you a to-do list or a not-to-do list. There is no way... There is no possible way that you can serve God without His help. It is impossible. It is by the power of God. You see, at salvation, God gives us the Holy Spirit who gives us that indwelling power. We talked about that in one of our classes here recently. But He gives us the Holy Spirit, which gives us the power to live that Christian life. And even then, we still try to do it on our own at times. And guess what? Every single time we do that, we mess it up. Every single time. God, I got this. I can do this. And then we end up messing it up. You see, it's God holding on to you 
that keeps you in a right relationship with him. Does that make sense? It is God holding on to you that keeps you in a right relationship with him. A right relationship with Jesus. It is his power, not yours. Because if you depend on your power, you're going to fail. There's a book right now, a popular book written by a, a very prominent religious leader. This book is called Your Best Life Now. Can I tell you something? If your best life is now, you, my friend, are in a lot of trouble. If your best life is now, you're in a lot of trouble. And that's what Peter is trying to tell you, is that this life will never be your best life. It is impossible. If you are a Christian, this life will never be your best life. Because you can't even imagine what your life is going to be when you cross over. That's the best life. That's the life we look forward to. We can get through this life because we know we have a greater one waiting for us on the other side. Listen, there are three steps to salvation. Number one, justification. That comes when you get saved. We are delivered from the penalty of sin, which is death. Justification. The second step is sanctification. Sanctification is a process. Justification, forgiveness, sanctification, which is where we continue. That's the continuance of salvation. That's where we become more like Christ as we serve Him, as we study Him, as we learn about Him. We become more like Him, and we are are being made free from sin. We should be sinning less and less and less the older we get in Christ. And finally, the one that we're looking forward to is glorification justification, sanctification, and then glorification. When God forever and completely delivers us from the influence of sin and things as, and brings us into our eternal inheritance, which is in heaven. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we have ahead of us. That's what salvation brings. You see, we have some of the benefits of salvation now, But we haven't received all of it. We still have things to be revealed to us in the end. Verse 6. Wherein we greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold of temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Wherein, because of, because of our, our eternal inheritance, in this we can greatly rejoice because we have an inheritance, because we have something to look forward to. Peter says that we can rejoice greatly. This word translated greatly rejoice always refers to spiritual joy. This is not joy uh, that changes because of life circumstances. This isn't joy that changes because uh, uh, of our attitude or because of, of our external thoughts and our ideas. Not because of our superficial 
feelings. This greatly rejoicing is spiritual. This word means an intense, abundant happiness based on our relationship with God. I can rejoice because of my relationship, regardless of what's going on in life. I can still smile. I can still have joy, regardless of what's going on in this life, because of my relationship with God. That's what Peter's telling us. And we have to remember that who Peter is writing this letter to. Remember, he's writing this letter to Christians who are under great persecution because of Nero. They're being burned. They're being torn apart by by dogs. They're being tortured. They're, They're going through all of these horrific things. And Peter is telling them, and he says, Listen, you can rejoice greatly because this life is short. Because we have a great inheritance waiting for us on the other side. You see, when we go through trials, we praise God for our salvation. We focus on our, internal, our eternal inheritance. And we can also rejoice because it's only for a season. It's only for a season. If you suffered your whole life, it would only be for a season it would seem so small compared to eternity i used to work with a gentleman many years ago who was so angry at god oh he was angry at god his mama had a a, a debilitating arthritis she couldn't walk she couldn't her hands were curled up and gnarled up and this was the most godly woman and the gentleman's name was Bobby. And he used to tell me, he said, I, I, I'll never understand a God that would allow such a precious woman, such a wonderful woman, such a godly woman to go through such suffering. His mama didn't curse God. His mama used to, uh, I, I never met his mom. I wished I had. She, she was, sounded like a wonderful woman. But she would talk with me. And she would ask me to pray for her son. She would ask me to be a witness to her son. She was so worried about Bobby's salvation. She had no concerns about her, her condition, her own condition. Her only concern was that her son got right with God. And she had had this most of her life. But she understood that it was but just for a season. She understood that the important thing wasn't the suffering that when she went through in this life, that the most important thing was that she was right with God and that there was something greater coming for her, that it was just for a season. You know, we can go through most of anything. Anything we do in life, we can usually push through it if we know it's going to come to an end. I remember when I went through the horrific trials of basic training, when those drill sergeants were screaming and spitting in my face, I knew it was just for a short season. I knew it was just for a little while. Here in a few weeks, buddy, I'll never see you again. And I could push through because I knew that it had to end. I knew that. I knew it was going to stop. And so through that, I could do that. I could, I could handle that. I could do it because I knew that it was just for a season. And you see, for Christians, this suffering is just for a season. 
for believers, it's just for a season. That can help us to push through this time. You know, Paul taught the exact same idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. And he says this, For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. And that, my friend, will last forever. It's just for a short time. And then he goes on to say, if need be. If need be. You see, in the Christian's life, suffering always has a purpose. It's not for nothing. There's always a purpose in our suffering. Don't lose that. When you go through suffering, there's a reason for that. Sometimes it's to humble the believer. Paul explained that in 2 Corinthians when he said that that he had been given a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. He understood that. Or so they can help others. Sometimes we go through struggles and trials so that we can be a helping hand to somebody who's going through those same types of struggles. There's many of you there that can comfort me, as I said, because you've you've gone for that time that you lost your mom. You know how precious that is. There are some of you who can't. Some of you have still got your mama. Some of you don't understand. I've seen people who have lost children who are able to comfort those who lose children. I can sympathize with them, but I I have no empathy because by God's grace, I've never lost a child. And of course, we all pray that that would never happen, but unfortunately it does in this life. So, So it's to humble believers, it's to help others, it's to chasten us for sin. Sometimes God has to correct us with suffering. Sometimes we get out of our our path and God has to bring us back with suffering. Or it's to strengthen our spiritual character. There is always a purpose. There's many other reasons that God allows suffering into our lives, but there's always a purpose. And it would do us good to figure out what that purpose was and what that purpose is for. And then it says... Through manifold temptations, or that means through many various types of temptations. Um, It's also translated, may be distressed by trials and and suffer temptations. Um, We see that uh, translated that way. It means, it literally means many colored. Suffering comes in all shapes, forms, and sizes. There's no limit to the way that we can suffer. In verse 7, it says that it's more precious than gold. You realize that there is over 4,600 tons of gold in Fort Knox. I went to Fort Knox, Kentucky for basic training. But there is over 4,600 tons of gold in Fort Knox. And Peter says that a faith that has been proven is more precious than all of that gold. All of it. Over $261 billion worth of gold in Fort Knox. 
You know, I've dealt with a lot of dying Christians. And what I've found almost universal is that things that brought them pleasure here was not even a desire anymore. I remember when, when Melissa's uncle Dale was dying from cancer. And Dale was a huge fisherman. Loved to fish. He was always fishing. And I remember he was in church service one day and he was in the latter days of with the cancer. He, he and he had he had a large tumor in his side. And um I asked him, I said, Dale, I said, You probably wish you could go fishing just one more time, don't you? And he said, No, I don't. I really don't. And, you know, for me, I, I couldn't understand that. At that time, you know, I'm in my 20s. I, I was like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, why wouldn't he want to go out and do those things that he enjoys, do those things that just one more time that he loves to do, you know, for somebody who hunts or for somebody who fishes or for somebody who loves to ride his motorcycle or for somebody or whatever it is that you love to do. I just couldn't imagine that in your last time you wouldn't go, want to go out and do that thing for that last pleasure. He said, no, I have no desire to go fishing again. He said, I would rather spend it with my kids. I'd rather spend it with my family. And it blew my mind. I absolutely could not fathom that. But as I've matured in my faith, as I have spent time with, with brothers and sisters in Christ in their last days, I found out that that is universal. Our world gets smaller. And the closer we get to death, the smaller it gets. So how much, let me ask you, how much value would all that gold be worth to you if you were dying? How much would it be worth to you? Over $2 billion worth of gold. Well, how much value would that be if you were dying? It would mean absolutely nothing to you. Guarantee it. Unless you wanted to leave an inheritance to your children. That's all it would do. Because it would have no benefit for you whatsoever in your dying breath. Trials, pain, suffering, whether we like it or not... All of that validates, it proves, and it strengthens our faith in God. Suffering strengthens our faith. That's what Peter's telling us. Whether you like it or not, it strengthens you. It is more precious. It is more valuable than gold that can, that can rust away, that can be taken, it can be stolen. That will just go away. You see, proven faith brings true believers joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the next verse that we'll get to next week. Proven faith. Faith that has been proven by trials will bring believers joy unspeakable and full of glory. You see, Peter used gold because it's the most precious of all the metals. And you see, just as fire separates gold from the useless impurities, the dross that's left over, just as that fire will melt that and separate that, 
So the, the fire of trials, the fire of suffering God uses to separate true faith from only professions of faith. It will remove the impurities in your life. You want to find out where your relationship with God is? Suffer a little bit. Suffer a little bit. And then it says, It may be found unto praise and honor and glory. You know what's powerful about that verse? You know, when I always before when I read that verse, may be found unto praise and honor and glory, I always thought that that was what it brought to God. When you suffer properly, when you go through times of trial, whenever you go through suffering in this life and you do it right, that it brings praise and honor and glory to God. But that's not what this verse is saying. This part of the verse, this is God's response to you. When you suffer right, when you do it the way God wants you to do it, then God brings praise and honor and glory to you. That's the way the Amplified reads it. Is that it brings honor and glory to you. This is not what we give God, but what we receive from God. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. (coughs) Well done. Thou good and faithful service. And it says, at the appearing, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, some versions translate this at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word here is apocalupi, which means the second coming of Christ. We will receive the full honor, the full glory, and the full praise for everything that we've gone through, for the suffering that we've dealt with, and for for the faith that we grew through our suffering at the second coming of Christ. When God gives us all of those things that we've been promised, that's what we have to look forward to. Oh, my goodness. When He returns to reward His saints. Would you stand to your feet? None of us enjoy suffering. None of us. If you do, you got issues. You need to see a doctor. <laughs> a psychologist. None of us enjoy suffering. But Peter t- is teaching us that there is great benefit when you suffer. I can look back at trials in my life. I can look back at sufferings in my life. And I can see how it strengthened my faith. I know I can get through this because I got through it back then when it happened before. It has strengthened me and God got me through that. I don't worry about finances anymore because back when I had absolutely none, God got me through that. I don't worry about it. God took care of me. I never went hungry. I never went without. I never lost anything. God took care of that. And I know that. That built my faith up at the time when I was going through it. I was hating life. But I never stopped loving God. And I never stopped trusting God because I had no choice to trust God. It's not pleasurable when you go through it, but it has so many benefits to it. Father, we thank you. 
We thank you, God, that you remind us that suffering, God, is, has a purpose. That suffering saints are precious in your eyes, God. That you don't abandon us in those times. God, that you are there. That you are comforting those who are going through afflictions, who are going through pain, who are going through sufferings, whether that's mental, whether they're dealing with sadness or depression, or whether it's physical and they're going through physical pain. God, you have showed us today how valuable that is. More valuable than even all the gold in the world. Because our faith, our tried faith, and our true faith is eternal. We thank you for the inheritance we have to look forward to. We thank you for that hope. Now, Father, I want to pray for the church today. God, I don't know who's going through what, but you do. God, I don't know who is coming out of struggles, who's coming out of trials. I don't know who's going into trials, but you do. And God, I pray right now for each and every one as they go through these times, these seasons, as you call them, that they would remember this word today, that they would remember, God, to worship you for their salvation, to look forward to their inheritance, to realize that it's just for a season, just for a moment. God, we thank you. And now, Father, as we complete this service, I just pray that you go with each of us today. I pray for rest. God, I pray that you give us rest today. Put people in our lives that we can share this love that you have given us. We ask all these things in Jesus' very precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.